you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And on today's show, I want to climb into the mind of a Georgia football fan for just a little bit and figure out why there's so much angst down in Athens right now. Because from a Missouri fan's perspective, I sure would take some top five recruiting classes every year and the results that Georgia's had the last few years. But believe it or not, there's a bit of angst around Kirby Smart right now. We'll talk about that. And also, I want to determine, just take a moment to determine just how many dudes Missouri football has. And by dudes, well, that's borrowing a Jimmy Stein phrase. Just how many above-average, really good SEC players does Missouri have? Let's compare them to previous years, perhaps, to get a better baseline. But you know what? First, I want to remind you guys about something really cool in the Locked On Network. Starting tomorrow, Locked On NBA is starting its mock draft for the NBA draft, of course, running through next Tuesday. There will be six picks per day with analysis from the likes of John Hollinger, Chad Ford, Jeremy Wu, among many others. So check out Locked On NBA for its mock draft wherever you find your podcasts. But first, let's talk about some news that has broken around the Missouri beat since we last spoke. And, well, first of all, the South Carolina game on the 21st has received a 6.30 p.m. start time. Although, the bad news, I guess, there, if you like night games, once again, we're relegated to the SEC alternate channel. So, by all means, start figuring out how you can access that now so you're not asking people like me on game day where you can find the channel. And you know what? Just let me help you out quickly. If you're a cable or satellite subscriber, more than likely, the game is very near where you normally find the SEC network. So go to your guide. For If you're on DirecTV, for instance, type in 611 on game day. And if it's 611-1234, something like that, if it's there, great. Click on it and you've got the game. If it's not, figure out what your DirecTV, your DISH network, your cable login is. Stream the game through your Apple TV, whatever it might be. If none of that makes sense, well, figure it out in the next couple weeks because I can't help you any more than that. My point is, if you have a cable package that has SEC Network, you will be able to watch the Missouri-South Carolina game. I promise. And back to the Missouri-Georgia game. Well, I had a fairly lengthy breakdown of the Georgia quarterback situation, but frankly, it may not have been lengthy enough because I have a fifth name to add to the mix here, freshman Carson Beck, because it sounds like Beck, along with with Dewan Mathis, who you saw if you watched that Georgia-Florida game this past Saturday, he's a redshirt freshman, Mathis, and also it sounds like JT Daniels will get some some reps in practice as well. He'll at least get a chance to test that knee out. Again, the the transfer from USC, former five-star player back in 2018. But 
He's coming back from a knee injury, and well, the note was from the Georgia beat that I saw was that he's without a brace for the first time already, and I didn't know that playing without a brace was that big of a deal. I see Connor Basilak doing just fine in a brace, so I thought, frankly, I, I don't really see Daniels, based on everything that I've heard, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be ready to go, so I think you could easily see freshman Carson Beck get the call on Saturday. I just didn't see enough from Mathis, so... Keep an eye on that. We'll certainly keep our ears to the ground of the Georgia beat, give you whatever updates we can. But frankly, I don't expect them to tell us who's going to start at quarterback. Why would they, right? Stetson Bennett has an AC sprain in his shoulder, much like what Drew Locke had, a similar injury. Now, the severity, I have no idea, but put it this way, I'd be surprised if Stetson Bennett started this Saturday, just comparing it to another another significant AC sprain injury that we just saw. And you know what? Speaking of Drew Locke, he was starting to get Albert Okwebunam involved in the offense over in Denver, but unfortunately, really, really bummer, a huge bummer for Albert O. He tore his ACL against the Falcons on Sunday. So, you know, just as it seemed, he was starting to put it together. He had over 100 yards receiving in his last four games with a touchdown as well that's too bad it seemed like Albert was in good shape he looked good he was moving well but unfortunately as we've seen Albert has a tough time staying on the field and 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 really unfortunately this is by far the most significant injury he suffered you hate to see that especially in his rookie year that's going to really set his career back for sure but hopefully he's able to battle through this rehab and maybe maybe somehow be ready for the start of fall camp next year. So good luck, Albert O. And finally, Barry Odom. Hey, there's a guy Missouri is well aware of. Well, he seems to be the beneficiary, if you want to say that, of some COVID-19. Yes, there's positives in anything if you look hard enough. And for Barry, he's going to get a shot to prove his mettle as a college head coach once again. Well, at least for one week, because Sam Pittman is in quarantine He got tested. It's officially going to happen. He won't be there on Saturday. So Barry will be under the headset as the head guy in Gainesville against the Gators. Notably, the last time Barry Odom coached in Gainesville, huge win for Missouri in 2018. So just an interesting note there. Odom certainly has done a nice job with that defense down in Arkansas. And obviously, Sam Pittman has done a great job with the overall team, Arkansas has been much more competitive than they've been the last three years. So good on them for sure. But just something I thought, "Ah, if you're a Mizzou fan, you might check out the Arkansas-Florida game at some point. Just a little bit of extra interest there. And I do want to crawl inside the skull of a Georgia fan, try to figure out what their mentality is. But I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. They could probably relax a little bit, to be honest. I think they need to hit the reset button and maybe celebrate life responsibly with a cold Coors Light. And that's my motto, right? There's always reasons to celebrate in life, even if your favorite team has lost to Alabama in heartbreaking fashion once again. I know how that feels, Georgia fans. Well, maybe not the Alabama part, but heartbreak? Oh, we're there for you. So my advice, Georgia fans, is make everything better and choose the only beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. 
Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit the reset button, dog fans, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I don't know about you, but the 48-point total in this upcoming Missouri-Georgia game is looking pretty tasty to me. And I should say that the under 48 points total is looking tasty. Now think about that. Are both teams going to get 24 points in this game? I could see neither team getting to 24 points in this game, quite honestly. Now I have to admit, Georgia might be in more disarray than I may have realized now that I'm starting to look closer into this football team. But it seems like the disarray, at least if you're a Dogs fan, they're starting to question the entire program a little bit. Well, maybe not the entire program, but at least if Kirby Smart is the right guy to get Georgia its first national championship in about 40 years. Now, if you watch ESPN or certainly specifically College Game Day on Saturdays, you're certainly aware of former Georgia defensive lineman David Pollock. Well, he also has a radio program as well, and on that program he said, quote, here's one thing everyone out there needs to know. Georgia has been a quarterback away for four years, an awesome first-round type quarterback away, a Justin Fields away from winning a national title. Someone like that would be the difference in Georgia winning a championship, and if you're following what I'm saying, you should know what I'm saying. They had Justin Fields on their roster, for God's sakes. So the frustration there is quite obvious and in some ways understandable. This certainly has been a disappointing season for Georgia. And coming off, well, frankly, a semi-disappointing 2019 too. But I think if, you, I think if you're a Georgia fan, you've got to look at the big picture. I understand that in the 2017 season, the 2018 playoff, when Tua... Tugavailoa came off the bench, throws that famous third and 18 ball for a touchdown. I mean, really, if, if Georgia defends that play, they probably win the national championship. And then the following year after that, a similar, a similar heartbreak where they're up, I believe, a couple possessions in the SEC championship, lose again to Alabama. Now fast forward to 2020, it's a good game for a while, but as David Pollock says, Stetson Bennett is just not Mac Jones, and he's certainly not Justin Fields. So I I can understand the frustration, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It can't just be national championship or bust. Georgia is basically the only team in the entire country that is competing with Alabama and frequently beating them out for recruits that they want. Now, the argument from a Georgia fan is, well, most of that recruiting – Most of that talent has come on the defensive side of the ball. And frankly, just the scheme hasn't been there. Now that, I think, is is where the criticism gets more legitimate. Because, frankly, when you saw Justin Fields at Georgia in limited action, again, Jake from State Farm started over Justin Fields. But when you saw Fields in in limited action, he wasn't all that impressive with Georgia, frankly. And that colored my opinion on him a little bit until, well, 
gosh, he got to Ohio State, and we've seen what Fields has done now. He looks like a, honestly, a completely different player. Now, again, I'm, I'm judging, at the time, I was judging too much of Fields based on some mop-up duty, some, hey, you got to come in off the bench right now, kid, without any reps type deal. But still, I think it's legitimate to question what Georgia is doing offensively. You've seen LSU and Alabama the last 10 years in the SEC or so. What's really changed? Well, those teams have gone from grinded out, three yards in a cloud of dust, sort of old school smash mouth football, to to much more embracing the more modern parts of the offense, the spread, the pistol, wide receiver screens, jet motion, all that kind of stuff. Well, you're just not seeing that as much from Georgia. So on one hand, I get the criticism. On the other, the idea that people are, that the Kirby Smart's seed is getting a little bit hot, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Because while, yes, finding that quarterback is really, really important, and frankly, the Georgia Bulldogs would kill for Connor Basilak right now, they're still probably more talented at every other position on the field. It just so happens that that is the most important position on the field. Yes, Georgia certainly has plenty of dudes on its roster, but how many does Missouri have this year? And I want to talk all about those dudes, but first I want to talk to you about your wall. Yes, your energy wall, your mental wall. What wall do you need to break through? Well, I'll tell you this, Build Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink that will help you break through that wall. Built Go is a natural energy gel combined with collagen protein. So you're talking natural energy here, folks. Basically, it's like drinking one of those monster energy drinks, but with a third of the caffeine and far better results. Compare it to, say, a five-hour energy. Well, it has a similar result without that same crash feeling, so it's going to be much easier on your body with that, that natural chemistry. Frankly, Build Go is the best workout gel on the market, and it's easy to take with you in those one and a half ounce packages. Just be like me and throw it in your golf bag to power through the back nine. So visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Now, as my friend Jimmy Stein over at Locked on Bama likes to say, for instance, he would say that Connor Basilak is a dude. Well, what does he mean by that? It may sound overly simplistic, but frankly, I think it's kind of brilliant in its simplicity. A dude is a guy that could start on virtually any team in the conference. So I think Connor Basilak would qualify, right? Certainly Georgia would take Connor. Maybe Alabama would be good with Mac Jones, don't get me wrong. I'm sure sure Florida would stick with Kyle Trask. But other than that, is there any team that would definitely be happy with their quarterback over than Basilak? I'm not so sure. So that makes him a dude, in my humble opinion. And obviously, Nick Bolton is the obvious other dude, especially on defense. Clearly a guy who could start on virtually any team in America. 
And just this morning, Dane Brugler over at The Athletic described Nick Bolton as a hammer in perpetual search of a nail, which frankly is a beautiful description. And continuing on the defensive side of the ball, I'll take Joshua Bledsoe as a bona fide dude in the SEC as well. I think he could easily start for even for Georgia, for instance. I think he could easily play for them. He's been that good this year. Just a really versatile defender in so many ways. And then finally, I think you got to give it to Larry Roundtree as well. Just a guy who is a man among boys and just his leadership alone, I think, qualifies him as one of the absolute best running backs in the conference. Now, I think those four are for sure sort of a, a blue chip type player. If you, if you don't like the phrase dude, well, just say a blue chipper. That was something that Mike Lombardi used to say. And he would say he would break it into blue chips and red chips. So to me, those are the flu, the four blue chips for Mizzou. Now, some red chips, they've got a few of those as well. Let's say, I think Tyler Beatty is a borderline blue chip. I just don't think you can count on him for, say, the rushing volume to truly make him a blue player. But I'll take him as a red chip, just a really nice piece in the passing game and also a good change of pace that complements Larry Roundtree quite nicely. Then on the offensive line, I think you can definitely make an argument for Case Cook and Larry Borum. I'll just be honest with you right now. I haven't broken down their film so specifically that I feel comfortable calling either one of them blue players, but I definitely feel confident enough to say that they're, they've been really good this year for the Tigers. Finally, Trey John Jeffcoat, certainly been our best pass rusher. Is he among the elite pass rushers in the SEC on the edge? I kind of doubt it. So to me, he's more in the red area. And for now, the cornerbacks, Ennis Rakestraw, Jarvis Ware, I can't say either one of them has been a blue chip. I can't go that far, especially Ware having not really played enough. But to me, considering that Ware's been out for a while and essentially Rakestraw has been the top corner, he's been put in really difficult spots over and over again and to me has performed pretty well. So a guy who I think eventually could become a blue chip player. Now my main point in breaking all of this down is is just to set expectations a little bit for the rest of the season and, and just give some context to what Missouri has done so far. Because if you think about it, I just named again four blue chip players. This is this is my very you can you can certainly quibble with any of these. Maybe you think the one of the specialists should be in there. I don't put kickers in my blue and red chip players. Sorry, but you can quibble with any of these. But I think we're on we're on a pretty we're all, we're probably mostly on the same page here. You the listener that is. So we've got four blue chips and about eight red chips. Now, just for context, if you think about the 2013 Tigers, the most recent great team, I'm telling you, I think there are four blue-chip players on the offensive line alone. Four guys that made the NFL. I think that's pretty easy to say. Then on top of that, you think about the receivers that Missouri had, the edge rushers that Missouri had, EJ Gaines played in the NFL. I mean... You're talking maybe a dozen just blue chip players. So obviously Missouri, this 2020 Missouri team, isn't that good. And just based on that comparison, you wouldn't expect them to be. But even when you compare 
the amount of dudes on this team to just two years ago, the 2018 Tigers, which was a disappointing team in some ways, but I think we can all agree that was the best team of the Barry Odom era. They went 8-5 and five with a really tough schedule. Again, not as tough as the 10-game SEC slate has been for the 2020 team, but again, 8-5 and five against a really tough schedule with two pretty bizarre losses that could have gone Missouri's way. South Carolina, the famous monsoon game, as we like to call it. And then, of course, the Kentucky game. No need to recap that one again. And then even the Liberty Bowl was, frankly, a winnable game by the Tigers as well. But when you really break down the talent of that team, it might be quite a bit better than you're imagining just in two years. It's kind of surprising how far our, quote, at least, again, what I'm judging is the blue-chip dudes out there. It's amazing how few we have just from two years ago. Again, In my opinion, we've got four blue chippers right now, maybe eight red chippers if I'm being generous. But you go back to this 2018 team, Drew Locke is a blue chipper, folks. I'm sorry, you can criticize Drew Locke if you want. He is a blue chip SEC college quarterback. Then you got Cale Garrett. Yeah, I'll say he's a blue chipper for sure. He could have started just about anywhere in the SEC. Same thing with Terry Beckner Jr., And you know what? If I have Larry Roundtree as a blue chip player in 2020, I got to have him as one in 2018 as well. Also, Therese Hall played for the Falcons this past weekend. He's an NFL guy and a really good player for Missouri. Let's put him on there too. Then you're talking about Yasir Durant, left tackle, currently with the Kansas City Chiefs. And also Trevor Wallace-Sims and Tristan Colon-Castillo, quite frankly. Another couple guys who were really good in 2018 on a really good Missouri offensive line that, for whatever reason, underperformed in 2019. But those guys are at least red chippers, right? I think you can maybe even argue they're blue for that for that season. But certainly Emmanuel Hall has got to be in that conversation too. Him and Albert Okwebenam both, when they were out there, they were really good. Emmanuel Hall in particular in that season made just such a difference when he was out there for the Tigers. It's too bad he has been unable to stay healthy. I mean, for as much as we we think about Denario Alexander and what could have been for him, certainly I think to a lesser extent that's true for Emmanuel Hall too. I think if he could have stayed healthy, he'd have been an NFL wide receiver for sure, in my opinion. And then also Jordan Elliott, who's playing for the Cleveland Browns currently, was one of the highest graded players his his two years at Missouri at pro football focus yeah he's definitely a blue player as well and well by the way Nick Bolton was on that team too although not sure he saw the field a whole lot so you definitely can't include him as a blue that year so you're looking at one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven guys who are potential blues maybe we'll say eight blues and three reds I'll be put those linemen there, maybe put Alberto in there or something considering his injuries. But regardless, the point is, is Missouri to my eyes has at least twice as many dudes on the 2018 team as they do in the 2020 campaign. And yet, if you look at the schedule, how it shakes out, Missouri has a pretty good chance to finish 500 here, a five and five in this 10 game SEC schedule. And if you'd have told me that, Back in August, I would have been absolutely thrilled with 5-5. Five and five. So I just wanted to put 
all of this in context and show, really frankly, that Eli Drinkwitz, yeah, the Tennessee game was really disappointing. That was a bad effort overall. But other than that, you know, the Florida game wasn't great either, but change a couple things here and there, and that's a really, really good Florida team. Maybe we could have hung in there a little bit, but I, I give a lot of credit to the Gators being just a really tough offense, quite honestly. So my point is Eli Drinkwitz maybe even doing a better job this year than you realize with not a lot to work with. And with all that being said, that'll be it for this episode. Look for more Georgia and Missouri football previews. Going to try to get the locked on Bulldogs in here this week. We'll see if that happens. Let's hope so. So, until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.